1: Hey there, and welcome to the second episode of the Home Studio Hangout Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to be talking about DAWs, Digital Audio Workstations. This one's specifically geared towards newer people uh, in audio, uh, people that are just kind of getting started, looking for uh, what software they might need to get started recording music and writing music. Um, We go through a lot of different... Um, options for your digital audio workstation Um, different types of software pros and cons for each Uh, this would be a great one for you to uh, grab a notepad take some notes kind of make some decisions for yourself but we also give you uh, our suggestions mine and josh's suggestions for what we think are great starting software dolls for you to use Even if you're just starting out, um, I think you're going to really like it, so let's get right into it. Welcome back, episode two. Today, we are talking about dolls. What are they? What does it mean? Why are there letters? And, you know, different aspects that have to do with the dolls. Yeah, why are there letters? I don't know, but we're back. Andrew here with old with old Josh. Josh. Here.
0: <laughs>
1: That's me. You know, hanging out, talking about audio, having a good old good old time, thriving. Let's get right into it, man. What is a Daw? So we have. You'll you know, as an audio person you'll you'll hear this a lot, but a DAW, a D A W, also known as a digital audio workstation. That's what that's what if you ever see the word DAW or hear the word DAW, that's what that means. Digital audio workstation. Um, so we're just kind of gonna kind of go through some things that kind of make up a DAW. We're gonna talk about. Some interfaces and how it works with the DAW, different parts of a digital audio workstation that you might need to know, and then also some like a few weirder things that we have near the end of it, and then some really important information as our last point (laughs) that you need to hear about making you sound good.
0: The most
1: important thing. The most important information. If you learn nothing from this, wait till the end, and you will learn something that I don't know. Some people, some people know, some people don't. Some people are, some people are not intelligent. Be intelligent, isn't that right, Josh? Yes. <laughs> All right. So why don't we go through and kind of give give the people your your definition of a daw a daw is a piece
0: of software that allows you to record edit and mix music well sounds even yeah because yeah i mean we have people using daws who don't even work with music um yeah,
1: like Foley artists
0: yeah i mean i think that the fundamentals really come down to simply record edit and we won't even call it mix we'll call it process
1: yeah and, yeah
0: um because at the end of the day that's what it is technically mm-hmm. um you know something as simple as like audacity or even GarageBand
1: is a da you know yeah yeah so, so we can kind of get into like you know listing some of the major ones um, so, you know, he just said Audacity, um, which is made by Adobe. Uh, and then we also have, what was the other one that you said? GarageBand. GarageBand. The old classic. The classic. A lot of people start on GarageBand. A lot of people, honest, I've, I've actually seen some guys make some pretty dope projects and records on just using GarageBand that get super creative. Um, yeah. So we got GarageBand is an Apple specific DAW. Also in that vein, kind of the upgrade from GarageBand. You have Logic, Logic Pro. Then we move over to the uh, to the non Mac specific stuff. So Pro Tools is a DAW or Digital Audio Workstation. Pro Tools is a DAW. We have um, Cubase, which is a Josh favorite josh uses cubase josh cool. also used pro tools you did at mm-hmm. one point for a while yeah. i use i, I also use i also use pro tools for a lot of different editing and mixing things um ableton live that is a very good that's kind of a unique piece because it is yeah it is a daw in the mo the most sense but is also um a live performance tool kind of together that's kind of what makes it super unique. And all, every, you'll, what you'll learn is like, they all do very unique things that kind of set them apart. That's what makes them different. That's what makes them super fun. Um, let's see. What's another one? Reaper. That's another popular one because it's free. I'm using it right now. Yeah. Using yeah. it to record this podcast.
0: Yeah. I use it for all my more mundane recording tasks because I know it is not going to break. Yep. I also used it for whenever I would play shows. I'd use it to run my backtracks because the routing is super flexible and easy. And oh, yeah. you could literally run Reaper off of a flash drive, which is crazy.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, I know um a lot of a lot of live bands are using they're using Reaper to uh to run their backtracks or like run their midi uh light rigs live yep. things like that i um, think that the
0: two live ones are definitely uh ableton and reaper yeah so
1: the most uh, common I, ones it, that you'll see yeah and then i know logic is pretty popular with live people but it's a little less stable mm-hmm. um and then we also get into what's that, what's another what's some what's some of uh, some more Sonar, yeah, that's the one. I was like, "There's another one that I can never remember." Sonar yeah, Sonar
0: Cakewalk, or is that what Sonar is?
1: Yeah, Cakewalk is made. Sonar is made by Cakewalk, I think, something or is it the like other that. way around? I can never remember. Studio um, One. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably we're probably both wrong, and it's probably something totally <laughs> different. But yeah, that's another. That's kind of a more obscure one. <laughs> Um, I was trying to think. I can't really think of anything else. I'm sure there are more. Um, yeah. Oh, FL Studio. That's a super popular. Yeah, one.
0: FL Studio. I was gonna say that earlier, but then you started talking about Ableton also being live performance.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, FL yeah. Studio. It kind of goes hand in hand with Ableton. A lot of like, so a lot of hip hop guys and pop guy. I know some pop guys that are using FL Studio. Um, it's big in EDM. Surprise. Yeah. EDM, I think the big EDM three are the are FL Studio, Ableton, and Cubase. Because I know Zed yeah. uses Cubase a ton.
0: Yeah. And, um, yeah, so we got Pro Tools, Reaper, Logic Pro, um, Sonar. Did I say Studio One yet?
1: Oh, Studio One. Yeah, that was the other one. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I
0: said that while we were talking. and ah, so I got you. It's cool, man.
1: No, I I missed that one. Yeah, you're right. Studio One. I know a lot of people that use that one too. I know a lot of mastering engineers that use Studio One
0: because it has a built-in mastering suite.
1: Yeah, I used yeah. it
0: for one record, and I decided I'm never doing that again.
1: Yeah, that's true. But. <laughs> yeah, and then you—it's the Q- really
0: dope. I just didn't take the time to learn it.
1: Okay, well, and then technically, so we also have WaveLab which is made by uh, yes. the same people that make cubase but yeah. wave lab is specifically is a mastering suite specifically because then you kind of yeah. get into some of those things and there are some other daws that are kind of specific to mastering
0: oh dude um reason is another daw
1: oh yeah so Reason for me, I always think of Reason because I used Reason back in the day when Reason didn't take audio. Reason only used to take MIDI. Because
0: um, I know that it's real big. Like, a lot of guys will have Reason, but then they'll rewire it through whatever their main DAW is.
1: Yeah, because... Because it's the, the cool,
0: like, synth routing and...
1: Dude, this, the, the synth engines in Reason are some of the most unique soft synths that you can only get. You can't get them anywhere else but buying Reason. Yeah. I think you, they have a rack module now that you can kind of buy just the synths. But, like, yeah, they're super cool. And, like, they have a very – like the, like I said, they have a very unique sound to them. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so those are all of, like, at least the ones that I can think of. Those are some pretty uh, – some pretty – I think that's all a pretty expansive list of all of the Bitwig. <laughs> shouts to the I'm
0: on fire, dude. I'm dude, on fire. What about uh what, pulling... what's the one called? Mix rack? What is it? I have the demo. No, I deleted the demo. It's Harrison Console's mix something. And it's supposed to be like you're mixing on a desk. And I installed the demo, looked at it for 30 seconds, immediately uninstalled it.
1: <laughs> Oh, and then uh, what's the one? Is it Luna? The, Luna yeah. from
0: UAD. Yeah, yeah. that's
1: a, that's a, like a new, new one. That's a um, new, new one. Hey, yeah. But no,
0: it's not a DAW. It is a whatever they're calling it. They keep I, saying it's not a DAW, but it's a DAW. And it's it's, it's essentially
1: a DAW. Um, <laughs> if, they can, if they can, please give me a reason why it's not one, but it's one from everything that I've seen. Um, <laughs> it's
0: not a DAW, but it is.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So I think that's a pretty expansive list of all of those. Um, the the big thing is like just pick one. They all kind of do. I mean, do your research for sure. You know what I'm saying when you're if if you're like picking one. So like, go. Let's kind of talk about choosing one. Really, it's they all have. We're what we're going to talk about is they all have pretty basic functions and we'll kind of go between you know specifics as we're going through different kinds of functions yeah Uh, but like do your research we're going to help you as much as we can but do your do your own research too and kind of uh i think all of them that we listed have free trials so download a free trial kind of see if it works for you if it works for the way your mind like kind of uses software
0: i'll say real quick if anybody wants to try out logic i always thought there wasn't a demo for it but there is it is not in the apple store it is on the apple website that you go to and you could download a trial
1: yeah and then like a lot of them have free versions like reaper is free until you like pay whatever the whatever the thing is you can you could perpetually demo it if you needed to, but it's a fully fleshed out demo. I'm
0: Um, going to pull up Reaper on my computer. (laughs) But,
1: um, but then like Pro Tools has a free version. Ableton comes with a lot of uh, MIDI controllers, which is like, for those of you who don't know, a MIDI controller is like those keyboards that don't have sounds built into them. They're just used to control sounds inside of your computer. Um, but a lot of smaller MIDI controllers, MIDI control keyboards come with a light version of Ableton to kind of get you started, which is extremely helpful. Um, so things are available to you. All of those are demos available. Like you can get the sweet version of Ableton live, which I also have. Um, you can demo that like and kind of see if it works for you it's a very different one uh pro like i said pro tools has free ones like you said logic has free ones
0: studio one has a free one but then what's unique about them is you could download like their artist version right but -hmm. then you could buy features
1: oh that's really cool
0: yeah that's what that's what sam did because he's a studio one user so he bought like the middle tier because at the time he was like i'm just doing demos and now mm-hmm. like we're writing all the time together mm-hmm. so he ended up buying the third-party plugins thing and then he bought the um he bought stuff from there and then i think he just finally did the full upgrade once oh, he, nice. once like the latest studio one came out we should probably but clarify yeah,
1: that... sam is uh josh's co-writer Uh, which we will talk about more on a different episode. But just to clarify, Sam and Josh work together on a lot of top lining and co-writing and songwriting together for pitching and a bunch of other things that you guys do together. All
0: the things, all the things, all the
1: things, all the things, but yeah, Um. so we can kind of dive into it from there. Um, But yes, just kind of do your research, pick one, we're going to help as much as we can. So let's start from opening a session. So when you open a session, generally there's going to you are either going to come to one of two things. You're going to either have it's going to either open a completely blank session which is what Ableton does. That's what Reaper does. That's what Reaper does, um, or it's going to open a dialog box to help you, like, get your sessions information correct, which is like what Pro Tools does. Uh, Logic has a dialog box. Um, Cubase does something. It's just like it's got a dialog box as well, correct?
0: Yeah, it is a dialog box, and then it also has this really weird feature without I'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, Where it's like when you're in the dialogue box, you're also like halfway into a project. Um, (laughs) It's crazy. So I'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. It's super
1: important. So, yeah. So they'll bring up a dialogue box and whenever you kind of, what you're going to do in that, if it brings up the, that box is you're going to input like the name of the session. You're going to, Um, select your sample rate and your bit depth um, which we're not going to go super into today but uh, you'll select that you'll select um, if you want it interleaved which we're also not going to go a bunch of like technical terms Um, but we're going to be mainly talking about um, the session naming which is extremely important, uh, and we're going to talk about your folders and like selecting your folders. So that's the other thing in that dialog box. You can select where your session is going to be placed. So let's talk about let's talk about the folders s- stuff first. So whenever whenever you're prepping a session, even maybe even before you open a session, right? you should probably try and get your folders at least to be a little organized depending on how you do it. And everybody kind of has their own way of doing it. And we can kind of figure, you can kind of figure out what way works for you. And to clarify,
0: um, whenever you're saying folders, you're referring to where all the information for that session is going. Um, yes. Cause this is a huge issue that I had. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Josh has a problem of saving things to folders all across his computer, so he can't find everything, and then has to search it all down. Yep. So, whereas if you make sure that you have, like, so in my my folders, um, I'll go. Th- I'm gonna go to my Finder real quick and kind of just go through the breakdown of my folders. So I have. Uh, in my, it's under my documents. Um, it's documents, and then I have a, a separate Pro Tools sessions folder. Um, and then I also have an Ableton sessions folder. So depending on what DAW I'm using, those are separated. So if I were to click on the Pro Tools sessions folder, um, under that, I have all um, artist names that I'm working on right now. Uh, And this is the same setup that I have in all of my hard drives as well. So all the artist names that I'm working on. um, I then, below that, I have what record I'm working on. So if it's a repeat, uh, I have all of their previous stuff listed by year and uh, album name. And then also, or if it's just a single, I have the name... And then single, uh, for some, if it's m- a bunch of singles like I have with um, at the after school program, which is a project, a couple projects that I work on, I have the that listed by in production, uh, writing, and completed. So that's a zero one two. So writing is zero in production is one and two is completed. Uh, so that way I can always go back and kind of see, I know where things are, but that's also d- particular to that artist. Um, and then in my Ableton one, it's the same setup. I have inside Ableton sessions. I have all of the artists uh, folders. And then inside those folders, I have their sessions broken down into either a record or singles respectively. So that is what we mean by like getting your folders kind of set up to set, set yourself up for success with your folders and be organized. So you don't do what Josh does, which is
0: so let me take you on a journey. When I started using pro tools, I was, in audio classes. So I learned the ins and outs of the program, especially the folder system. So my audio drives whenever I was on pro tools was very, very organized fast forward. A few years I got tired of paying for the update and support uh, programs. And I figured, well, instead of spending $300 to make pro tools work with my new OS, I can always just pay the same amount and get Cubase. So I got it, and I had assumed that it would automatically do what Pro Tools was doing for me, which is whenever I name a session, it would name a folder the same name, and then it would put everything inside of that folder.
1: So, and that's something that... I was going to say, well, that's something that Pro Tools does. That's also something that Ableton does. And I think most DAWs do that. So whenever you name the, um, the session, it's it creates a folder with that session name. And inside it, it puts the project file, all of the audio files you use, all of the MIDI files, and all of the recorded information. So it's all in one place for you.
0: Yep. And so what ended up happening is if you name a session, it won't name the folder that.
1: So this is specifically in Cubase.
0: Yeah. And so how I work, like I'll work on something until it's done. And then once it's done, the most that I have to pull from that session again will be stems, but I already have them rendered out and saved to my Dropbox and my Dropbox is insanely... Organized And way more so than my audio drive, simply because the Dropbox is, at the end of the day, what keeps the final versions of these projects, mm-hmm. um, not the sessions. And I was going to say, um, stem,
1: stems, being, stems being the individually bounced out parts <laughs> of the song, such as like, yeah. all the, like all the guitars bounce down to one, or all the drums bounce down to one, all the vocals, etc.,
0: precisely and so by the time i realized because most of the time the cubase dialogue it pulls up your recent sessions so i would just go into it from there never even thought to check my audio drive and if i needed to pull up a session i would search for it and then open up the cubase cpr file and it would launch the session so i never ever once in my mind thought how disorganized this would be and scrolling through my audio drive right now I have session folders with backup well session files mixed in with backup files and then I have a ridiculous amount of folders that are called untitled dash and then whatever number they are with more with the whole project in them so that is where I'll find my audio images track pictures backup files and session file (laughs) so welcome to my world um no i haven't completely fixed it yet but i at least got it to where everything was going into a folder (laughs) (laughs) yeah so they're all in folders and you know if it's something really important that i know that i might have to open in a while then you know i'll kind of put it in a special place but for the most part, it's not that big of a deal to me because, like I said, a lot of these projects I'm doing, it's like at the end of the day, like for instance, I literally just got asked for stems for a track that I did this time last year, but all my stems are in Dropbox. Mm-hmm. So,
1: so, yeah, it doesn't really matter.
0: It, it's not that big of a deal for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm going to be getting like a new drive set up. And once I do that, it's going to be a lot more organized. Um, and I got to check in and, you know, see if it'll just name it automatically or I could just stop being lazy and just name every single one. But the fact that you could search the session name and it still pops up is no big deal. Yeah. But um, I won't talk about how I finally realized this because that was very embarrassing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but something to say something else to say about that is so collaboration is a very big thing a lot of times especially when you're working in the same daw the same daw as somebody else you'll you'll often send the session back and forth so this is something that I learned I don't remember when it was really awkward though when I <laughs> learned it um, I I sent, so whenever you go into the file you whenever you make the session it names a folder the session name and you go into that and then there's the actual like session file but then there's also like i said before um an audio files folder with all of the audio files from that session that it pulls from all of the midi files a lot of fade files so if you've made any crossfades or any fades in and out in that session it saves all of that information in the in that folder um basically all of your information is in other folders the actual session file doesn't have anything it's all it has is like where to put all of those pieces it's just a directory so let
0: me guess you just sent the session file oh
1: i definitely just sent the session file to somebody
0: You know, like what I just did six months ago after I already knew this and I literally took a class on it?
1: Mm-hmm. It happens to the best of us.
0: <laughs> I wasn't thinking. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. I
1: pass, get you. Oh, so, man.
0: I can't believe I just admitted that on the record.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> whenever you're sending it, make sure you're zipping all of that stuff together. You can even go back and just, zip, like, compress zip in windows compress in mac all of the all of that folder down into a, a single folder to send it to somebody so when they open it up or unzip it they can they have all of the information that they need so they can just open up the session file and everything's where it should be yeah so that's
0: another thing um you know for people who are sending session files back and forth that's huge you have to be organized Oh yeah. Being that like technically I could send session files to Sam and he can open them because he's on studio one. And so you can open Cubase files on studio one, but we couldn't do it the other way around. So we tried doing the, um, there's some universal file type that will, yeah, it didn't work. So how we work is we have a shared Dropbox folder. And once again, the Dropbox is very organized and we will render our stems directly into there. So a lot of these times we are both we both have our own session and then we're building that session remotely using the files that we exchange. Yeah, that's and a great And then at idea. the end of it, I mix it all and then it's done.
1: Yeah, that's a great so, idea. Um, yeah,
0: it also makes it really, really easy because you could render things directly to the Dropbox folder.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a great idea and then it automatically uploads and it's there and then you can say hey bounced everything out should be uploaded soon
0: yep we will FaceTime and like the other day I called him up was like can you cut vocals real quick and sure enough he banged out all of these backing vocals and he just rendered them right to the Dropbox folder and I literally watched them pop up Hmm. and I just dragged them right into my DAW
1: yeah Uh, so that's a good (laughs) that's our that's our big talk on folders. They matter a whole lot. They matter so much. Please keep them together and be organized. Learn learn to be organized up front. It'll save you a ton of headache. Uh, then we move on to like the next part of that dialogue box, which would be sample rate and bit depth. So, uh, I can tr- I'm gonna try to explain it as easily as I can. It is a decently complex topic. We could probably do at least a partial episode on it. But I'm going to kind of give you like the, the basic understanding of it, which is sample rate is – so if you think of a – think of a graph, right? You have all these points, all of these peaks going from a bottom to top, Right? So you have a median line going from bottom to top. Uh, what the sample rate is, is taking between 20 Hertz and 20K hertz, 20 K Hertz, 20,000 Hertz and saying, here is all of the important information and how high you set that more dots are on that ladder, that median line it has more information to go off of so when you're when you're doing a um 44, one, 44 uh 44.1k so 44,100 hertz is 44,100 dots in that line
0: an easier oh. way to think about this would also to simply just think about the difference between, for those of us who are old timers, and you remember the 240p YouTube videos versus the 4K ones. hmm. It's essentially yeah, it's, audio resolution, if you think yeah, about it.
1: Yeah, it's very much audio resolution. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a great way to think about it, too, is, yeah, uh, if you're watching a video and you put it in, you know, 200, 240p versus 4K, like the resolution is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be like super fuzzy, and you can see the individual cubes in the sometimes right. if it's low enough resolution. But, right. or, you know, versus a 4K, it's like super clear and like the person standing in front of you. Um, right. But, so to continue what I was saying, 44.1 is 44,000. Then you go to the 48, and that's just more little dots that they added to make that picture just a little bit clearer. And then you go up and up when you're eventually like at 128 K, which is like super like theoretically super, super clear at a point. So so like ideally you would want the highest sample rate. But so here's here's the thing. Higher sample rate also means larger file size so every audio file that you put in that is mass like 128k versus 44.1k a single audio file in 128 is going to be like almost an entire session sometimes depending on how long it is in
0: a 44.1 oh man uh whenever we would go to a studio to track drums and because there's so much stretching involved while editing you kind of have to track drums at a higher sample rate, mm-hmm. so he was at he was only at ninety six. Yeah, which is
1: like that's pretty standard for larger studios. Generally, like to track at ninety six because larger studios also work with orchestras and choirs more, a little more things that require a lot more realism.
0: Yeah, and so because of that, the session files were massive. Mm-hmm. They were like. Like one drum session was like the size of like three of my pre pros.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's you yeah. Know? So and then so bit depth is essential so sample rate is the clarity of the actual sound. So it's the clarity of the tone of the of the audio file. The bit depth is the clarity of the volume. So it is reading how quiet versus how loud it is. Um, and there's other things that you do with dithering and that kind of thing, but I don't want to get super, super in the weeds on a lot of that kind of stuff. But yes, so I I mean, really, 24-bit 24, 24 for your bit depth is a safe place to be at all. I don't think I ever do anything. I don't really do 32-bit float very much which is your higher option or 64-bit float. I don't really do 32-bit float that often. Do you Um, want to know why I do 32-bit float? Why? Because I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can, yeah, why not? I just am trying... I try to save... Once again, I try to save space on my computer um, so that I don't have a ton of massive session files. And it also is easier to send back and forth. And I haven't found that... 32 bit versus 24 bit makes a massive difference to me, at least. Um, so the so like being safe 441 on your sample rate and 24 bit is honestly like a really good base level to start at. You can't really go wrong. There's really no reason to go 16 bit. Yeah, because
0: what are what, what is this 1995
1: well and most things don't that's like that's cd resolution and most things aren't going to cds anymore so most things are going direct to online and it can take a higher bit depth so why not like it's gonna be it's gonna sound it does sound better between 16 and 24 like oh it does significantly 100%. significantly yeah. um cool so yeah that's a basic overview of that, like I said, you can get extremely deep on that kind of stuff, and we may one day. That is a very high-level topic that I might bring in Brandon. the man that – the well, no. I might bring in the guy that taught me um, in, from Charlotte. He does a lot of like he, – he works with like Baby and stuff like that. Uh, he does a lot of that kind of stuff. So he's he does he does some mastering too. Uh, the guy that taught me all about sample rate and bit depth and everything like that. So we might uh, we might bring him in to have a conversation about that. But moving on, we go to session naming. This is in incre- I would argue equally as important as your folder system. Has a lot to do with your folder system. But session naming is incredibly important. It's so
0: important. I used to name everything just whatever. And I I still do. Like I, I name like demos. Yeah. If it's just an idea, sure. It's getting whatever first comes to my mind. Yeah. But whenever you are working with an artist or if you are working on an important project, you need to have a structure so you could find your sessions.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I also heard this from a beat maker, which is always name your beats, because it gives it more. It gives it more life immediately. Like if you're if you're just a beat maker and you're like, I don't like don't name it trap beat two. Or, I made
0: that mistake.
1: Yeah, well, it's you forget <sighs> one. One, you forget what's in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But two, it doesn't. When you name it that and you never come up with a name and somebody's trying to buy a beat and you have trap beat too, well, that doesn't sound very interesting to somebody trying to buy a beat. Yep. So, But then you also get into the larger scale of session naming, which is full project naming and um, you get into uh, like when you're doing mix sessions and editing sessions and prep, like pre-production sessions and stuff like that.
0: Yep. And sometimes it's always a good idea to include, um, the sample rate, bit depth, and the key and tempo of the song in the session name, especially if you're working with other people that also goes for your session folder. Um, like, I mean, that's something that I do, um, all the time. Well, I'm always including tempos, um, more times than not now, I'm now including like the the key as well, just because yeah. it makes it easier while you're like building a song with somebody. For sure. Um, and, you know, for the project I'm working on right now, I actually have a complete spreadsheet that we all work out of. So we always know what key it's in, what the tempo is. Um, is the demo done? If so, if we have a demo for it, what version of the demo are we on? Because there's times whenever we're throwing different ideas back and forth. So which one is the most current one? So that way we could just search for that yeah. file yeah. name. Yeah, Keep,
1: keeping keeping a spreadsheet. Especially when you're doing more on the on the songwriting and pre-production side of things. And yeah. you're going through different revisions of stuff. And, like, this was... So, like, you're not necessarily throwing anything away. You're keeping all of the ideas to make sure that you have everything to go back to. So you... Make a demo one idea, and then you're like, okay, well, that's a cool idea. Let's try to make a fresh idea with the same thing. And then you make a demo two idea, right? Where it's more of a different, like, flavor or maybe slightly different, like, melodies or slightly different lyrics or, you know what I'm saying? Or, like, what I
0: sent you earlier where we had two different hooks. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically how we do it is if I'm sending something for more work on it, then I'll typically just name it like song name 1.1 and then for top line or something like that. Just yeah. so we know like this, don't even listen to this unless if you're working on this right now for this specific reason. Yeah. And then from there, all of the final, final revisions are going to be named the number of the song dot the number that of the revision that we're on um and so like that's how i work with like these unnamed like pitch projects where we're writing a ton of songs mm-hmm. and um yeah that that system has been great and then on top of that like i said you know it'll be like um you know like song 2.3 top line and then that way you know okay well i know that 2.3 is the one but then this is the one i'm going to use to lay down on this top line send the tracks over once i make the revision it's now 2.4 yeah and um until we hit final or if we're working with like a music supervisor then it would be like approval to know like hey this yeah. is the demo that got approved time to build it out you know mm-hmm.
1: oh yeah that so. makes sense yeah, that's a great one. And like kind of figuring out so in it, figuring out your own way that you like to name sessions. So like for me and like from different mixing engineers kind of have their you know, different ways of different ways of labeling things, but I'm going to pull up a session real quick and just kind of So I've gone through a couple different versions of naming stuff. Um I'll normally do Let's find like an actual like session all right so I'll go artist name sometimes sometimes artist name is in the middle but generally it's artist name up front dash song name dash where I'm at in the project so like pre-production or edit like drum edit or vocal edit um, or mix and then i'll do the sample rate and then the bit depth and then the bpm and then the key yep and then um, sometimes i'll do parentheses single or parentheses like song 1 or something like that depending yep. on where so like that'll go with the song name so it'll go song name and then parentheses either song 1 or um single so that way you know it's what how i
0: started um naming my sessions whenever i'm hired to write because i don't have a song name right off the bat especially because like true. you know if i'm even if i'm writing a top line there's a lot of times where like i have to get these things okayed by the vocalist because yeah, at the end of the true. day they're the ones singing it um so what i'll do is whoever is the point of contact in the band if they don't have a band name or if they do have a band name it'll be the band name the, um, month and the year that I'm working on it.
1: That's a good one. And
0: then it'll be numbered the way that I was talking about before. Yeah. And that's so sick because I know, Hey, you know, if Brandon hits me up, I just search for Brandon. It's like, Oh, well that's the one from last month.
1: You know? Yeah, exactly.
0: And cause like for me, it's not about going through the directory. It's about being able to search keywords that I'll remember Mm -hmm. And I think that that's also super important because everybody works differently. I'm really good at getting organized. I'm really bad at staying organized. Yeah. And so there's no point in me having this really complex file system. If it's going to get unorganized in a week or two, it takes enough for me to just keep our Dropbox like, Oh yeah. I'm pristine. Well, and so that's
1: like the importance of naming is because it makes it searchable so exactly like we didn't really clarify that up front but like the importance of the naming system is something that you will remember and putting enough putting enough information there that if you're collaborating it makes it easy for somebody else to build their session or know what they're getting into Mm -hmm. kind of all of the session the information that they're going to need about the session but also it helps you in the sense of like oh, I, need, I know I was working with this band and they want me to go look at this song and this revision. So all of that information should be in the title. You could just search that information in your finder or in your search bar of your computer and it'll pull that session right up and you just click on it if you can't find it. If yep. it's buried deep down somewhere from like a year and a half ago or something.
0: Yep, exactly. And like... Like I said, that's just how I work because at the end of the day, it's like after all that chaos that happened on my audio drive, there's like no Mm -hmm. point in me trying to fix it because knowing my luck, everything that will be organized, nobody will ask for and it will all be the stuff before I made it nice and pretty. Oh, yeah. So, that's true. you know, it's like as long as things are searchable and if it wasn't for the fact that I didn't know how to name my sessions, I'd probably be in a pretty rough position right now trying to get all of this organized.
1: Yeah, yeah. it'd be impossible to find anything. It, it,
0: it. It would literally be impossible. So just make sure you name your sessions in a way that, you know, you could search it or better yet, make a template for it and stick it on your computer monitor.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. Yeah, I have a. Uh... I have some sticky notes over here where I, like, if I need something, like, always remember something. I always put it, like, right below my monitor on my right side over here. Um, yep. But, uh, so, I think, yeah, that's yep. probably enough about the dialogue box stuff, unless you have anything else to yeah. say about that. So oh, we yeah. Can
0: move on. So, the the Cubase dialogue box, if anybody is on base, instead of creating a session, you can also import anything into a completely fresh session and so pro tip for new cubase users if you ever are sent midi as a tempo track you can click import from the file menu at the dialog box import that midi file and then you can export it as a cubase tempo track and then import that into your template because Cubase will not allow you to use MIDI as a tempo track, and it will not allow you to make the tempo track within your session. You have to import MIDI into a brand new session. If, if you create a session and then try to import it, it does not work. And it took me way too long to find anybody who could give me that information. So I just want to put that out into the world right now.
1: <laughs> yeah it's a, that's a good one yeah it's the only That'll... thing i
0: hate about cubase but honestly like it takes an extra two minutes and i do it like once every three months yeah so.
1: but then also like figuring it out <laughs> took a while dude
0: seriously if if anybody is on cubase if you search for that on google you will find no results you will not mm-hmm. find a single video on it either i had to go to like some forum from like 2008 you know how old i was in 2008 dude I was in sixth grade uh,
1: like yeah I'm older that's a while you. i was in eighth grade um oh uh, <laughs> so we move on to to windows and views and we say windows and views there's really like two or three main windows we say views because that's more of an ableton thing um yeah. But we'll start with the windows and then we'll go to the. I can talk about the Ableton stuff specifically. But where, there's really three main windows that you're going to use at any given point. There's some sort of session or uh, timeline view. Yes. So, sorry, that's an Ableton term. So, there's some sort of timeline view, which is your normal, like, left to right. You see all the audio files on top stacked on top of each other with all the track names and everything like it's that. It's linear. Yeah. Very linear left to right. Or you have uh I don't know what I don't know what Cubase calls it, Pro Tools calls it the mix view, which is like all the faders.
0: Oh, they literally just call it the mixer.
1: Okay. So like and I think that's what Studio One calls it too, is just the mixer, and I think that's also what Logic calls it. Is the mix is just the mixer. And that's also
0: what Reaper calls it. It's, it's just a mixer, the mixer. yeah all.
1: so in pro tools it's the mix view so it's the for those of you who don't know it's the view where all of the faders are from left to right in order you can see the physical fader look uh, all of your mute buttons and then on top of that generally is like all of your plugins and eqs and compressors and all that kind of stuff on top of that or any instruments or whatever that you have on that track. And then there's the third one. Which is the MIDI view. Um, some of them are called MIDI editors. Uh, I believe. I believe in Pro Tools it's called a MIDI editor.
0: Yeah, that's what it's called in Reaper and Cubase as well. Yeah, let me look. Um, And, and you know, what we're talking about is inside of that project window if you click on a midi track it'll bring up a separate view in cubase it is docked to the bottom of the screen and you could set it up so it automatically opens up as its own window um
1: and that's the same logic you can do the same thing too
0: yeah it's just a separate window that pops up so you could edit midi um cubase has a feature where you can edit midi in the actual timeline um I think Pro Tools I, think I covered too. it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some some DAWs, Pro Tools doesn't have this, but DAWs like Cubase and Studio One, I think Logic does it. I know Reaper doesn't. Is they also have a separate edit view for audio. So it's the same thing, but instead of editing MIDI, you now have a microscopic view to edit audio and it'll oh, give yeah. you different tools to use um that was foreign to me and i used to hate it because i was a hardcore pro tools user and i'll tell you what still hate it but i use it
1: anyway so that's interesting because i didn't know that we'll go over to the views so views is kind of specific to ableton so ableton all the other uh daWs they have they can be split into multiple windows so like if you open up a window like you have your timeline or your linear view and you have your mix area mix window or your mixer um, those can be split into two different windows like you can pull them onto two totally different screens a lot you'll see it you'll notice it in a lot of studios that have multiple computer monitors computer monitor screens they'll have Maybe on the left, they'll have the, the mix up, the mixer up. And on the right, they'll have the timeline, like linear view on that side or, you know, a variation of that. Um, or maybe they'll have like the timeline up on a really big TV up here so everybody can kind of see what's going on. And then they'll have like the mix view here so that they can like tweak stuff. And kind of see yeah. all the and there's the numbers. There's the also
0: um, like iPad extensions for mixers for most DAWs now. Yeah, and a lot of people will just have their mixer on their iPad, so then they could they could poke
1: it. Yeah, exactly. Get that touch. So Ableton does not do that. Ableton is all in one. It's kind of made for laptop use. You can definitely tell it was made for for people to use on laptops specifically. So there's two views in Ableton. There is the session view, which is unique to Ableton. And then there is the timeline view, which is the same as every other um, DAW, which is like the left to right, everything stacked on the linear view. Um, But the session view in Ableton is unique because... You'll look at it, and it looks the same as the mixer window. It is not the same as the mixer window. It in, it has the the faders, kind of, but instead of faders, it's got little arrows. It looks very, like, old. It looks kind of dated, really. It's got little arrows that you can kind of move up and down and as your volume. Um, but then on top of that, where you would normally see plugins and it looks like there should be plugins there but there's not plugins it has clips so uh, something that and kind of something that ableton's known for is the ability to loop and create clips in like live inside a lot of people use it to fire different uh they'll loop like a guitar part and then they'll add some drums over it and you'll see a lot of people do this with different um live shows or, uh, some live streams. I know a lot of people use it for live streams and like, they'll just, you know, play a quick thing and then quantize it real fast. Cause it's really fast at that. And then they'll go down and they'll record a different part and then they'll put them together or they'll, you know, go back and forth between parts and trigger different like small clips or longer clips, different drum loops and things that they just kind of have in there. Your plugins are actually in a totally different window on the bottom. <laughs> it's, I really, hate that. it's really, it's really. This like the like, only.
0: It like pops up and in my mind it like curves down. It, it, it looks like, like I don't know, like the yellow brick road of plugins or something. And it yeah, really bugs yeah. Me. It yeah, bugs me so bad. It's the only. Get...
1: It's the only DAW that does it, and it's it's it really weird for people to get used to. Um, so you open it up and it shows you all the plugins that you have on the bottom. And then in that same window, in a different view on that same window, you can also do what you were talking about um, that Cubase and Studio One do. It's got an audio, what you call, what we in the, in the Ableton stuff is the clip editor. Um, yeah. So you can edit that individual audio piece. Um, you can stretch it, quantize it pitch it up pitch it down do all sorts of crazy stuff to it um but yeah it's it's kind of unique in that way uh but it is very it's kind of intuitive once you get used to it it's very 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 fast um i know josh isn't a fan but josh also doesn't use it almost every day and i do um do you get super fast at it really really i've tried so many times yeah it's been spending a good bit of time with it you can get crazy fast with it um yeah there's
0: some crazy ableton guys out there
1: oh yeah they're yeah they're they're nuts but those are the kind of different those are the kind of different views uh and like i said that's really specific i can't think of another daw that has that i don't think there is one that's very unique to ableton
0: I feel like that's something Bitwig would just throw in to be like, Hey, we do it all.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe <laughs>
0: buy our dog. <DAW. laughs> uh, so yeah, I think that that pretty much wraps up that section. So our next one is track types, dude.
1: Tell me yeah, all man. about the track types. I mean, actually, I feel like I should
0: be telling you about it because I think well, you has the
1: most, yeah i was gonna say i don't know i can't even freaking pull up so yeah it really depends on what what daw you're using um how many track types you have because they all call them different things and and some function the same so i can go through ableton real quick because they're very fast so they have yeah. audio and they have midi and that's it that's <laughs> it master the master faders uh on or the master track what would be considered a master track is just a ever pre- ever present master um that exists on the bottom of the screen but there's not there's not anything other than um an audio track or a midi track in Ableton a MIDI track turns into a instrument track. Whenever you drop um, an instrument or a virtual instrument onto that track, then it switches over to a MIDI track or an instrument track automatically.
0: Yeah, that's how um, R- Reaper, I want to say is like that, where you could just draw on the audio track and you can make MIDI, which is so sick.
1: Oh, that's crazy. I didn't know you could yeah. do
0: that. Yeah, I think it is. I could probably do it while I'm recording. By the way, the reason why I just reacted like that is because when I opened up Cubase, my interface decided to turn off the internal clock and Reefer was still just recording and I flipped it back and it was just like, hey, my mic works again. (laughs) Let's see if I could insert a new track while I do this and then draw on it. Yep, it makes a MIDI event
1: um yeah so it makes it automatic. Cool. it makes it turns it into a midi track kind yeah of. and
0: it's so sick that i could do all that while it keeps on recording man i love reaper yeah all right so in cubase they have they now simplified it in the previous version on 10 which is my first experience with cubase you could either add a track and then there were other tracks now it's just all in one big thing so i have audio i have instrument An instrument is going to be where you could then use virtual instruments, but it'll still read MIDI on that track. Or you could feed MIDI into that track. Then you have a sampler track, which is exactly what it sounds like. You can drop a sample onto it and then trigger it through MIDI. So vocal chops for days. Then we got MIDI tracks which is self-explanatory. Run those into whatever you want. Then I have group tracks. Then I have effect tracks, VCA tracks. Cubase even has marker, ruler, and folder tracks. Then I have tempo, signature, arranger, transpose, chord, and video tracks.
1: Dang, I didn't even know. What is a transpose track?
0: So I've never used it can only be added once. Oh, so I guess it's literally to just help you transpose things. Oh. I wonder, I don't know how to, I I can't really do anything with it. Do I draw? Oh. Oh, what am I doing? Oh, that's (laughs) cool. So there's like a different, it's not like a MIDI track, is it? No, it's not a MIDI track. It's just like this block that comes up. No clue what it does. Hmm. um chord tracks are cool um because it it, it'll pull up a little chord pad and then you could punch in the chords real quick and then you could either route it to whatever instrument is being monitored or you could just drag and drop the midi so a lot of times if i know what chords i need to play i'll just punch them in real quick drag and drop the midi and then i could quickly just like make whatever voicing of the chord i want It saves me a bit of time because I don't have a MIDI keyboard here. I still need to buy one. Um, Arranger tracks are very dope because um, you could go ahead and just drag entire sections of songs around, which is super helpful for people who are songwriters. Um, Signature, that's very simple. It's just a time signature track. Tempo track, obviously the same thing, just for tempos. Um, The ruler is just to get different values for where you're at. Um, Folder track is pretty obvious. You could put tracks inside of a track. Marker, that's also self-explanatory. So, I mean, they're all super helpful, you know. It's just kind of strange that a lot of these are typically just features and not individual tracks.
1: Yeah, so like in Pro Tools, a lot of those things are just a part of the timeline.
0: Yeah, they're just a part of the timeline. But honestly, I kind of like this better because now I have less going on up top.
1: That's true, yeah, because there's a lot of stuff you can have going on up top and it's really hard to figure out where a lot of that stuff is sometimes when you're trying to exactly. move fast. Um, yep. So with Pro Tools, we have, let's go, let's see, we have audio tracks, instrument tracks, MIDI tracks. Those are not the same thing in Pro Tools. Um, you have VCAs, you have audio Aux tracks you have, which can be used as sends and returns and whatnot. You have um, now in the newest update folder tracks, which can are subsected into folder basic, which is just to hold tracks like a bunch of tracks in or folder routing, which acts as an automatic routing folder which is really really convenient and it's something that pretty much every other pretty much every other DAW has had i don't or know what that means it's a folder track so um it acts as a uh there's a the basic one doesn't act as like a bus routing you don't route to it it just holds things it's just collapsible but oh Okay, so
0: how that works in Cubase is actually really neat because if you put things in a folder, you could toggle group editing on that folder. You can also just solo everything in that folder or mute everything in that folder. Mm -hmm. So it does that. no, No audio runs through it.
1: So the routing folder, the routing folder is essentially that, but audio does run to it.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's like a so it's like a
1: bus, yeah. It's it's just like a bus and a folder combined. Exactly, it's a bus and a folder combined. So it made my route. It makes routing a lot easier because it automatically routes. Yeah, it saves some time. Um, and then you have master tracks, um, you have video tracks and i'm sure there's some more that i can't VCA's. think of oh yeah vcas i think i may have said that vca tracks which is voltage control automation Attenu- attenuation attenuation is that what i'm thinking i'm Googling I, it. i can't remember see um, i've
0: never used them and uh, they're some great for automation
1: dude they're fantastic for automation for group yeah. automation because you can set um, so in Pro Tools VCA tracks are read by groups so you set everything to, so you can set all of your lead vocals uh, to a group and then put a VCA to those and then do all your automation on that and they move together respectively so yeah it's kind of it's super so convenient. Then that way you,
0: so then that way you don't have to do it for everything for
1: individual tracks exactly i've Thanks.
0: never thought to do that you're a genius because yeah. all i ever heard was well it's really only used for live stuff
1: no nah, no nah, it's really convenient for automation it makes stuff way faster so
0: it, it actually stands for voltage controlled amplifier
1: amplifier that's what it is yep voltage control amplifier because back in the day it was an it was a literal amplifier that was separated that you turned up and down um yep but so yeah it's super convenient so it could be used both ways as a you do automation on the on the vca track or you can use it to say i need all of my vocals to run to this and so you just put all your vocals on it and it's great for like doing uh doing mix revisions if people are like oh i just want all the vocals are too loud i want all the vocals down by like half a db or a db you just drop them a db on the vca you know have a mess with it
0: yeah that's real nice that's beautiful yeah i might have to start using those
1: yeah it's, <laughs> it's super convenient for things like that
0: yeah um I think that we covered everything for the track types yeah so, most
1: most of those are pretty consistent or they will they will be i, th- I think you were right i think cubase had the most and yeah Reaper there will has the e- least. there will be similar versions to all of those in every in every daw yeah it's gonna be like, pretty consistent
0: they're either gonna be a combination of certain things or they'll be their own thing mm-hmm. um by the way, we missed a, a session view no, for I'm Studio talking about One. View. For Studio One, there is something called a scratch pad, which is a separate timeline oh, that pulls yeah. up where you could write in it and then drag the whole thing over to the real timeline. It's literally a scratch pad for audio. And just so everybody knows, that feature is incredible. And, um, I was yeah, thinking about I don't that, ever... why you were talking about VCA's. <laughs> yeah, I
1: never, I never get to use that. Yeah,
0: dude. It's so good. I used to use it all the time. And now I just, um, I mean, I just write hits every single day. So I don't even need to scratch anything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not even a problem. <laughs> it's
1: not even a problem. I only write hits. Oh, I only, it's
0: the sound of hits. It's the sound <clears throat> of
1: hits, man um so we so we're moving on to transport controls so we can hit these really really fast that's it's uh, transport so con- port controls is just a fancy term for like your play stop um record those next back beginning of song end of song re- rewind fast forward those are all your transport controls if you don't yep. know what those are already those are yep. pretty basic like on any kind of vcr anything like that like that's pretty normal
0: yeah and then you will get some other things I mean I consider them transport controls like your marker position locations punch in punch out the different kind of record modes for MIDI and audio Mm -hmm. Um, even your tempo you know I mentioned a tempo track earlier if I don't have any tempo changes I adjust the tempo on my transport uh, control Cubase actually has its own transport uh, thing that you could pop up and move around um, yeah, if you don't like it too. in the session and, uh, yeah, I just have mine set up. So the separate one has some marker quick points and, um, yeah, oh, if you don't, also
1: your pre-roll post-roll yeah stuff, like if you want to set up like count in, like if, like if you're tracking guitar and you're tracking yourself and you want to have a pre, like a two bar pre-roll going into a part. Yep you can do that
0: use that all the time plus uh your metronome settings which i use all the Mm -hmm. time Um, those things are all going to vary from DAW to DAW. um you know i have a ton of different like midi and record options and punch in punch out stuff um if you don't know what that means i highly suggest you just uh type that into youtube watch some videos on the different ways to record both audio and midi in your specific daw because they all do things pretty much the same way but getting there is a bit different
1: yeah exactly uh, and it makes so, your yeah. life a lot easier
0: so just learn oh, it
1: for sure especially and you can like figure out what shortcuts and we're going to get into that kind of stuff but shortcuts and hot keys we kind of talked about that last episode about how important your hotkeys are and most of your transport controls are tied to a hotkey or some sort of shortcut on your keyboard
0: yep precisely and if they're not most modern DAWs you can always assign one Um, exactly yeah i think that that's all we really have to say about that because the honest truth is is that they're all gonna do have like different options but um you know at the end of the day a quick youtube search will get everybody exactly what they need to know
1: exactly exactly um all right so we can move on to tools and track controls so I'm actually going to pull up Pro Tools real quick. Pro Tools has a bunch of tools. (laughs) Um, I know you're not a fan of the multi-tool but I love it. So what we mean by tools is um, whenever you hover over different pieces of audio in DAWs you get your icons changed, your mouse icons change if you're on a multi-tool. But uh, it essentially lets you do things like zoom in and out. Uh, it lets you trim audio regions, um, and that could also be that could also turn into like time stretching audio regions, um, selecting different audio regions, and deleting things like for deleting or moving or anything like that. Um, grabbing whole audio regions and moving them around on your timeline. Um, a pencil tool for like either writing in MIDI, writing in automation changes, different things like that. Um, and also in Pro Tools, there's a scrubber tool. I don't know if you have a scrubber tool. You know what I'm talking about though? The audio yeah. thing. That oh you yeah, had.
0: yeah. I have one. I don't know what it's called. Um, it's called Play. <laughs> Which is actually like kind of really funny. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, but yeah. I those got, are the
1: main. Those are the main ones in Pro Tools. I mean, we don't we don't have a ton. I have a ton. We have drop down menus for more like loop tools, and then uh, hand tool can turn into separation. But most of the things that are tools, I just use as shortcuts i have shortcuts for
0: so the cool thing about cubase is the right click does absolutely nothing
2: mm-hmm.
0: it just doesn't do anything so the first time you sit down with cubase if you come from other DAWs, you're gonna be like life sucks and you're in it's because it does but um <laughs> real talk. it's beautiful because it forces you to get used to switching tools quickly just using your mouse. So I don't even use my hotkeys because I don't even switch tools because I don't make mistakes. And um, so I have a ton of tools, dude. There's so many. And there's probably still more tracks and tools, but I have the object selection tool. Okay. If I long, if I, so if I right click and then I long um, left click on it. I can then make it so it will um, time stretch. Oh, yeah. And then there's also one where it's sizing moves contents, which I'm pretty sure is just like moving the audio within the event, I mm-hmm. think. I've never used it because if you do command option on Cubase, it'll just pull that up automatically so you could do that. Yeah. Um, then I have a range selection which I rarely use unless if I'm copying and pasting everything. Um, I have the draw tool, which I also rarely use um, for like drawing automation and stuff. Mm -hmm. I have the erase tool, which I also never use. I have the split tool, which I only use if I I swear that there's a hotkey for it, but I don't have any audio in front of me, so now I'm really really thinking that i'm
1: probably like command e or no
0: this is um this is just i'm on a windows keyboard so that's option and oh option can, it would be yeah option and e it, it doubles as like a drawing tool also if you want to draw audio events but mm-hmm. yeah that's how you cut and yeah that's actually the draw tool it comes up with option but it doubles as a split a splitter but there is um if you hit Option X, it'll cut it the way that you would in Pro Tools, where it cuts at the um, oh, yeah. marker. Yeah, it's cool. That's the cool thing about Cubase. They, they don't really force you to work one way. It, they like, they're like, they like, well, you know, we know that we have users who are longtime Cubase users, and then we also have Pro Tools users. So it's like, like you could pick how you want to work in it. Yeah. So if you want to select the tool, you can. If you want to hit Option, you can. If you want to hit Option X, you can. And I do all three all the time, because it depends on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's the, the splitter tool. I also have the glue tool, which I'm guessing, yeah, it just like heals audio tracks if you drag them. Um, it just like fills in space in between them and it will also glue them back together, hmm. which is actually like really strange. I've never used that. Um, I have the mute tool, which is actually really cool. And this is another weird, like, Cubase thing that I never knew. But if you um, render in place, so if you render a section, it'll make a new track, print it. And -hmm. then the other one, the audio is, like, grayed out. And you're like, what's up with that? It makes no sound. That's because it mutes that event, which is actually really, really cool. Because that means... If you're in a weird situation where you're comparing two different things and you want to keep another, like, instead of just keeping it in the lane. like
1: Yeah, you just drag it, to make a new track, drag it down and mute it.
0: Right. You could just mute the audio. So you say if it's like a snare hit, right? If you're comparing yeah. samples, you could just keep those in there and then just mute them. Mm-hmm. And it's really neat because then you don't have to use a whole separate track or whatever and like that's neat i have a zoom tool we all know what that is i have a comp tool which is killer and i rarely
1: that's that's a vert so there is basically just doing the playlisting in a tool
0: so i i have i have playlists also they're called lanes oh Um, yeah
1: so yours is similar to mine and also similar to uh logic logic has different lanes
0: yeah 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 yeah. so if i if i use the comp tool i just select what i want to keep and it'll move it'll just like if i if the if my lanes are all down here i could select them all and then they'll pop up on the top lane yeah it makes comping really cool um i really don't i really don't comp vocals though like with how i because I'm very picky about keeping things organized when I do vocals. Yeah. So there's enough space that I rarely need to comp, you mm-hmm. know, like how people traditionally do. But the few times that I've done, like, where I've sped through things in a studio and I've had to comp things traditionally, that yeah. tool, oh, it's so quick. Yeah. Um, And then I also have a time warp tool, which is just like the... Um, it's, I don't know what I'm saying. It's just like it's probably the most useless thing in the world, and I'll tell you why. Cubase does not understand that most people don't just like not use a click track. So <laughs> this is to literally bend the tempo um, in certain places. It's like how I would imagine they tracked a knocked loose record. Um, uh. And yeah, it, it's. Utterly useless. I could see maybe like a composer using it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we all know Hans Zimmer uses Cubase. And uh, maybe he would do that. But I still think that he would just use a tempo track. Yeah. And to not kind of give it like ebb and move flow. things by hand. It, it's like yeah. it's like the manual tempo thing that you learn in audio school for no reason. Yeah. Um, And then I have a line tool, which I use for pitch bending and automation all and nice. stuff like that. And then I have the scrubber. And then a color tool for coloring my tracks. Oh, nice. So I just spent like three years explaining Jeez, tracks man. and tools on Cubase, and now nobody, none of our listeners are ever going to get Cubase.
1: <laughs> yeah, is is <laughs> a lot. So a lot of those tools in Pro Tools and in Ableton are just shortcuts. They're not set up as tools. Yeah, they're they're set up as just like like mute your mute tool for me is just command m uh i'm on mac and then like a cutting tool for me is just command e yeah
0: yeah see i don't think that there's even a key like if i press if i press m it mutes the track and if i do command m it's markers Um, yeah. yeah so yeah but that mute that mute function is like one of the more obscure things but it's also like it's pretty
1: neat oh i use it all the time I use it all the time because if there's like, I'll copy tracks and if I want to keep a part to see if I like it in, so say there's a verse, I've duplicated the MIDI track because ch- I want to keep the same MIDI, but I want to layer in a new synth or something, right? But I'd only, I want to come in the second time, not the first, but the MIDI is playing on both times. I just mute the MIDI or the audio on the first time. see if i like it i can hear it if i don't if i if i want it in i can just unmute it it's there don't have to worry about it no erasing or anything like that i just keep that audio and or midi oh i see what you're saying
0: so if it like if it's eight bars you just mute the first four
1: exactly that's neat it's it's a super fast way to see if i like things quickly or not or you know instead of having to erase it and then oh well i do want it in there now and then i have to copy and paste everything back um
0: yeah i think um i don't think that there's any other tools i mean you do have different tools depending on the window so like if i open up my audio editor then it will actually only give me like half of those tools. If I have a MIDI editor, then it's typically a drawing tool or Mm -hmm. there's different modifiers. Like in Cubase, you have the MIDI editor, but then you also have the drum MIDI editor. Um, So they react differently. And so your commands react differently also. And um, yeah, so, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of it just ends up being hotkeys for most DAWs, but it just turns out I have a ton of tools. So now we're back to...
1: Now we're back to learn your hotkeys folks. Learn your shortcuts, learn your hotkeys for your, your hotkeys. for whatever DAW you're using. Mm-hmm. Cuz because it is listing all of those is extremely tiresome and having to search through all of those to figure out the right thing to use is probably even more tiresome. So if you know your hotkeys and your shortcuts, it makes everything way easier and you're not having to go menu diving. Yep. Um, Um, so now we're going to, uh, track controls, which, you know, they're super simple. We can just buzz through these real quick. It's your, on your individual tracks. So when you open up an audio, when you have an audio track in your session, it is things like your mute, your solo, your, um, your fader, your panning. So your fader being your volume up or down and your panning being the position of that sound from the stereo field from left to right then you also have um your record button your record arm which is uh it just looks like a record button um but in a lot of DAWs you have to have that you have to have that selected in order for it to record Mm -hmm. um and then you have also in some you have the input monitoring which is the ability to hear um, while like what is the ability to hear um something, but not have it armed for recording?
0: yep, or to just monitor while you're recording, yeah, um yeah, Q- or not QBS Reaper actually has a bunch of different monitor options. They have um. I'm pretty sure you could set it to post and pre, which is like really cool for your effects. And um it has like auto monitor on or you could just turn it off or keep it on. And so like yeah, there there's just some different variations. So just like look up what monitoring is for your DAW so you get it. Um Pro Tools, Cubase, I think logic, it's all very simple. You just they're all pretty this monitor. much the
1: same. And then you yeah. also get into things like your inserts. Which are your uh, your plugins? So your general EQ, compression, what have you, things like that, and then also your um, instrument plugins. If it's an instrument track, like your synths and your pianos and your drums and things like that, and also sends uh, for sending things to group tracks or sending things to reverbs and delays. Um, yep on different auxiliary tracks. Um, and yeah. and
0: some DAWs you will even have like more um more options. Like in Cubase on my inspector it's called I have quick controls so I can set um like a bunch of controls for my um for my track controls so they're just mm-hmm. right there on the side. Yeah. So like if I wanted to like hard pan something, I could just like like I could have my pan down there instead of having to open up the other one, which I should probably do a lot more because clicking up here or scrolling like depending on where your cursor is, it'll either scroll really slow or really fast, and it's not yeah. a ton of space. So using a trackball, it's hard to get to just the right space. So yeah, I could um, I could totally see that. Like things like that that just like speed you up a bit more are fantastic. Or uh, for MIDI, I have um, I have a ton of stuff. Like I have something called MIDI modifiers that's just built into my inspector for the track controls um which allows me to like randomize um like how accurate it reads midi so like it'll make drums never be perfectly on the grid and stuff like Ah, that yeah that's cool and like yeah it's just like a little bar on the side and um it took me like dude this was a huge learning curve coming from pro tools where like none of that's a thing yeah and um once I like sat, cause to like, you know, the first time you look at it, you're like, what the heck is all that? And it's the same thing on Studio One. Um, but like, man, the, this stuff, like, it gets pretty powerful, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, then sure. it even gives you like MIDI inserts
1: and stuff like that.
0: And so it's so just. Cr- I don't
1: even know what that is. <laughs>
0: so I could. As,
1: almost way too many options.
0: Yeah, I have a thing called Beat Designer. I have a thing called the ARP Apache.
1: <laughs> That's random. Well, and that like, even gets us. That even kind of moves us on to the next section we were gonna do is like fun, weird stuff in our DAWs.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, we've been on it the whole time on Cubase. Here I am. Yeah. I mean, I think Cubase is one of the most interesting DAWs because. It's like the best of Pro Tools and the best of Ableton combined, but then with mm-hmm. a bunch of weird uh, German stuff in it, too. <laughs> and uh, I I love it, man, because like, there's just so much in here. Um, like, I was talking about the chord track. I could mm-hmm. have MIDI tracks follow the chord track, Um And then you could set up, like, so it automatically uses different chord voicings. Like, it gets in-depth, and it makes sense why these huge composers use it. Um, Oh, yeah, for sure. Because you could really, really do a lot with it. Um, Oh, yeah, there's also track versions. So, like, if I want to change a track, like, I could just, like, duplicate it and then just go back and forth between two different tracks. So if I wanted to, Mm -hmm. instead of having a separate track for, like, a top line like I could just save, like I could just duplicate it and then flip back and forth between the two in real time while the song's playing. And Yeah. um,
1: Well, I was going to say the the mix screenshots.
0: Yeah, I have those too. It's the same thing, but
1: with a track. That's crazy to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'll get to that in a minute. But, I mean, at the end of the day, could I simply just – track that and then flip between two lanes or playlists whatever you call them in your DAW sure mm-hmm. or i could do this you know because now in this it's easier to do all of the editing involved mm-hmm. than it is to record it select that do all the editing and then drag it back down and then flip or whatever you have to do yeah so um yeah there's like a ton of cool stuff about that if i go to my mixer i can save mix snapshots which is incredible for um revisions so if i mix something i save a snapshot send it to the band they tell me what they hate i fix it save the snapshot send it back to them they tell me that they hate it even more i now click the first snapshot that i took send them the (laughs) same mix that they got the first time and now it's perfect yep (laughs) even though it's the same thing but and no, I've never done that. But the idea is that I could quickly change, instead of saving a whole new session, I can now flip in between mixes like that. Like, and yeah, um, almost
1: real time.
0: Yeah, it's sick. And then Cubase also has a history. So anything I changed just in the mixer, I could go back and undo. Um, it has configurations. So I can. Um, I can arrange my mixer a certain way and save a configuration. I can... um... My mouse just died. Nice. And when it did it, (laughs) my AirPods went out too. Nice. Why is this not connecting? Did everything just break? Did we just get EMP'd?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We just get EMP'd. All of your technology <laughs> started hating you at the same time. Hey, it's uh, working well, again. I, cool. I, okay, <laughs> I was going to say, I can go... So, weird thing... Uh, it's not even weird. It's just like a feature that I've only found in Pro Tools is Beat Detective. That's like the only thing that is kind of unique to Pro Tools. It is cool. amazing, though. and It is one of the fastest ways to edit drums and also sometimes guitars, depending on what genre of music you're doing. Um, there's also... Uh, in Ableton, the crazy audio editing abilities, the like I was discussing earlier, the session view with the clips, uh, being able to try out a bunch of ideas and then just like flip through different variations of guitar parts or drum parts or a bunch of ideas and then build a song out of it. Uh, It's super detailed. We'll have to do a uh, I actually want to do maybe a video on like just the simplicity of like writing a quick song idea in Ableton using the session view. It's extremely, yeah. extremely unique. Um
0: so another weird thing, not to interrupt you. No, go but, ahead. Um one, there are functions in cubase that make it very similar to beat detective. Two, we have an entire rack just for VSTs or well, VST instruments. Mm-hmm. So I could just quickly swap out instruments on the right side of my screen. I also have what's called the control room. And this is neat for people who work in like surround sound or do any sort of like down mixing or you, if you have multiple sets of monitors, this can also act as a monitor controller for you, which is really, really cool.
1: That's crazy.
0: Um, it's actually too much for what I use it for. Yeah. to be honest because all I use it for is I have I have this setup up so I have certain like my click will only play to my headphones unless if I um, change the uh, turn up the volume on it mm-hmm. on the control room. And, um, I do that cause I do a lot of vocal tracking and, uh, that's really cool if I'm like in between that way, whenever I'm listening to the take, I don't have to keep turning off the metronome. For um, sure. and it's great though, cause you literally just set up the routing. So it just goes right to my headphone output and it is a beautiful thing. That's I amazing. used to fight with it a lot in the past. Um, I used to have a lot of weird issues with it. But mm-hmm. um, since I got it configured, I've never had to mess around with it since. And um, yeah, it's great because I could just toggle the metronome on and off from right there and then just leave it on in the project window. And yeah. it won't play on my speakers, but it'll play Heck on my headphones. Yeah, and I have amazing. it set up through the UAD console. So my vocals also only monitor through my headphones and not mm-hmm. through my speakers. So,
1: routing, man. Like we said, it's like we said last great. episode, learn your routing so that you can do crazy stuff like not send your click, only send your click to the person who's tracking and not send it to the room or only send a vocal, only monitor a vocal while they're tracking but let them have an entire mix by themselves. Learn how to do that kind of stuff. It is very very helpful. Yep. Very helpful. Um we're gonna do one more thing and then we're gonna go to our, our our last point we're gonna talk about media pool and auto backups because we're already almost at we're about ba- we're past an hour and a half already um yeah, no uh so <laughs> we're
0: only halfway through so this is gonna be a two parter
1: <laughs> yeah this'll be a this will be a two parter this will be Dawes and then we'll do a whole nother episode on just on interfaces um so. Media pool auto backups. This is amazing. So I don't know. You have this too. Um, Pro Tools has this thing on the right side of of your of your window called a media pool. It is where yep. every th- every piece of audio that goes into that session is found. It is essentially pulling from the audio folders um, dedicated to that session. And you can find every single piece of audio that's ever been, whether it's been edited, um, comped, everything is deleted. there. Deleted, deleted. It still exists there. When you delete something in your DAW, it is not gone forever. It's, it's not still gone. Ex- it still exists in that bin. Yep. Unless you do something called destructive recording, and then it is erased forever. But yep. That's a whole different conversation, and you should probably never use destructive recording because. Ever. Why would you? Um. Two thousand twenty. Yeah. Why would you? So. <laughs> grow up. Yeah. It's twenty twenty, <laughs> man. Grow up. Uh. On that right on that media bin, you can literally find every single piece of audio that exists in your that has ever existed in your session since that session began. So if you accidentally erase something, it is there still. It exists yep. in that bin. You can find it. It is not gone forever. It's going to yep. be kind of a nightmare sometimes to find it, depending no, on your DAW. And even then, still, it's probably going to be a nightmare Cubases, to find it.
0: I like Cubase's because it's not docked like it is in Pro Tools. Yeah.
1: And, um,
0: so mine is just called Open Pool Window. And then you could click on that, and it pulls up all the audio tracks. And now there's two different kinds of, like, Existences of audio in Cubase, and it's called musical mode or musical mode or linear mode. Ah. So, the and the difference is, is that if you import something, it'll like guess the encoded tempo and then stretch it, or if mm-hmm. you change the tempo, it do either stretch it or it'll just keep it there. Um, in that media pool, you can even change that which is crazy that's and nuts. so in cubase whenever you import like a sample it'll be like hey do you want to conform it to the sample rate and uh bit depth?" and if you say no and it gets all wacky and you go into there then you could delete it and re-import it and it'll prompt you for that again but if you just drag it in again that's not a new piece of audio because it's still in the media pool yeah. So it'll still be imported as all stretched out and weird, you know? So yeah. that's us um, learn your media pool. Plus, if you're sharing sessions with people, if you know if you know for a fact you don't need anything um, that's been deleted, then you could go ahead and just clear out your media pool. There's mm-hmm. an option on all DAWs. I know that I have one. I haven't used it in a hot minute. But um, it's literally just an option that basically states hey, why don't you delete all unused
1: audio? Mm-hmm. Yeah, delete yeah. unused audio is huge. It cleans up your session, makes it way smaller, especially mm-hmm. when you're sending stuff back and forth. It, it will definitely help you in the long term of, I mean, you start getting 90 to 100 track counts, which is pretty common in like your your pop and your more radio rock centric, you know, stuff. It's it, you can get up there really triple digit track counts really 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 fast. So deleting yeah. unused audio will save you so much CPU power on your computer to make it easier to run the session without having to have a crazy high power computer to run seven thousand tracks of Daw at the same or audio at the same time because it's having it's a Daw of <laughs> seven thousand tracks of audio <laughs> at the same time because it's having to compensate for all of that media pool that you're not touching
0: so yeah i think that we uh basically oh yeah auto backups every daw does auto backups yeah every
1: daw does auto backups if you accidentally erase your session there is an auto backup for it it does exist do not have a heart attack
0: or if you can never seem to find luck with any daw not crashing constantly like after i updated cubase to 10.5 now every time i open cubase for the first time crashes immediately and uh yep. i have to restart it um but you know cubase will even do it where it's like hey you know we did this auto backup before you saved Do you want to open that i'm like yeah yeah sure little yeah, guy and then it even gotten... renames the session for me in case if i want to go back to the old one
1: yeah dude pro tools has just so gotten much better with man. the update about their auto backups it's more frequent now which is nice and uh, nice. ableton does super frequent auto backups like almost to the point where it's annoying but it has saved my tail so many times so many times but they do exist just so you know if your session file gets corrupted that's happened a lot that has happened a couple times to me as well where the session file gets kind of gets corrupted it does exist you can go back you are not completely shot from from ever working on that project again, and Josh's Josh headphones, headphones died.
0: <laughs> you know the episode's too long when my headphones yep. die.
1: Exactly. Thank you for sticking with us. We have one more thing to say about this, and it is the most important thing. Regardless of what doll you choose, dolls do not make you sound good what do you mean,
0: dude? I bought Ableton and everything changed. <laughs> Wasn't that, like, something Elenium said or something like that? I don't know. My maybe. brother kept talking about that. Because I, I was like, I was like, dude, I'm going to try to learn Ableton again. And he's like, I bought Ableton and everything changed. Yeah, everything <laughs> changed. And I'm like, how do you know about this? And yeah, dude. It was but, some, like, EDM guy, like, was endorsed and he said that. But Maybe. But, yeah, I bought Cubase because drew falk uses it
1: yeah and he's the man but i and i use ableton because andrew wong uses it
0: and what's crazy is we one of our favorite producers is jordan fish and we realized that he literally produces in pro tools
1: yeah which is unheard of for like electronic music really yeah
0: I've seen like one video of a professional guy working in Pro Tools for like in it for like a pop song, like producing it. And so it really just goes to show if you learn your DAW and you're quick with it, then basically getting to the point where you are so quick that you get your ideas out faster than anybody else, then you are going to be the most optimized and you're going to be the most. Um, I guess successful at achieving what you're trying to achieve creatively. So if you're a producer, simply go with whatever makes the most sense and whatever is the fastest for you.
1: Yeah, whatever makes most sense with how you think. That is so important for yep. me. That, And that's why I use two different DAWs. Ableton makes more sense for me when I'm songwriting and when I'm producing a track. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to editing and when it comes to mixing... Pro Tools makes more sense for me just because it makes more sense in that scenario. And it's fine to have multiple DAWs.
0: Yeah, it's totally fine. I I used to think that Pro Tools made the most sense to me and something just didn't feel right. So I tried Studio One, didn't make the most sense to me. Mm -hmm. Got Cubase, all of a sudden, hey, it makes the most sense. And I am now writing way faster than I ever did with Pro Tools. Is my editing as quick? Probably not i'm getting there i will get yeah. there but that's but that's, it's fine i don't do a ton of editing work anymore it's you know? also
1: putting the time in with it on your editing and since you don't do as much editing anymore like you're not going to be as fast
0: right because i don't practice as much really but you
1: know the point being just pick one man like and learn it learn it it's so good they don't sound different I, there's stuff floating around that says they like sound different and you know there if you put like a like a scale on it like a some sort of analyzer like maybe it sounds like slightly different but it doesn't sound different like it doesn't really sound different does that make sense that makes so much sense like it's not gonna your daw is not gonna be the reason that your mixes suck the DAW is not going to be a reason that your song is bad. Yeah, You know, that's going to be well, it, because you didn't put the time in to learn it.
0: Well, that's like, um, you know, Maddie, my girlfriend, she's a graphic designer and she's all about Adobe products. And then she realized, Hey, these people are putting out art way quicker than me. And then she finds out that they're using an app that isn't an Adobe product on an iPad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, it's not about your tools you know i mean there's a certain standard of what people expect of what quality expects for sure but as far as like home studios go like we're both running apollos um decent computers and software yeah (laughs) and fairly inexpensive microphones you know Mm -hmm. so you know it's really just about learning what you have
1: and learning to use it to the best of its ability and you're like pushing yourself to learn it so well that you cannot be beaten in that Daw. be the best reaper producer ever be the best ableton producer or mixer that you've ever seen
0: dude you see those guys in make pop producing on reaper that's like that's even crazier to me than producing on pro tools i know so like shout out to the reaper homies because they took the time to learn it and program it to work yeah. the way that they want it to so
1: if you don't and know if you're getting into reaper if you think Reaper's is an interesting option be prepared to pro- learn a tiny bit of programming because you have to program every piece of that software pretty much but whenever you are done it is unique to your workflow and that is what's crazy cool about it yep. because it, you can program it to be the fastest thing that anybody's ever seen when you are behind it
0: mm-hmm. and then i would go up to it and i'd be like what is this yeah exactly you <laughs> why, know why does and, nothing work right? yeah so reaper strange a lot of people complain about reaper and say it sucks but really it's really really great people just don't learn to use it
1: it's just different
0: it's different. I mean, that's how all dolls are, dude. Exactly. I mean, I've seen metal guys use FL Studio, and I've seen metal guys use Ableton, yep. and apparently, we see pot producers using Pro Tools and Reaper. So it doesn't matter yeah. who you are, it doesn't matter where you're from, or what you're using. It matters
1: what you make. Exactly. So let's give them. Let's give them our. Let's say we'll each give our top three DAWs if they're looking for one to start with to start with yes Cubase top three well
0: okay top
1: three um
0: oh dude I'll just give my top three that's what I'm saying yeah so um like well like my first three so I started out on Reaper which honestly I probably wouldn't recommend so scratch that don't start out on Reaper unless if you're sure that's what you want to do start out on something like studio one studio one is very easy to get started on and it's the more advanced functions that didn't really click with me but um studio one is a great one there's a lot Uh, of great
1: guys our buddy our buddy chris davis works out of studio one our buddy brandon all's a mastering engineer works out of studio one it's extremely flexible across a bunch of different aspects
0: yep And it'll get the job done. Um, And uh, it's also affordable because it's scalable. You could buy the base model and build it up to the full model. You know, I keep saying model. (laughs) And um, yeah, Studio One, I would also recommend um, Cubase because it's in between kind of the spectrum. And then honestly, probably Pro Tools because it's a very... Pro Tools is different, and it sucks in a lot of ways, but it's great in a lot of other ways, and it's industry standard still. Um, I mean, with the huge wave of bedroom producers, that's not really true. But um, like, just under like, Pro Tools, if I didn't learn routing and editing on Pro Tools, I wouldn't have gotten it probably as quickly on anything else. Pro Tools mm-hmm. made the most sense, most sense to me. And it's still probably like my favorite thing to record and edit in oh yeah even though i don't own a copy of it
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is so i'll do mine real quick i would agree pro tools for me is it's it's simple because it is set up like a soundboard it is very much if you if you've ever put your hand or eyes on a live soundboard it is very easy to look at that and Draw the similarities to Pro Tools, and it makes sense. Yep. Um, so if you are coming from a live sound perspective and you are trying to get into recording, Pro Tools is a great way to go with that. Uh, everything's going to make pretty close sense, and there is going to be a learning curve. Obviously, there is a learning curve with all there is a learning curve with all of these, but I will say there is the most information out there about Pro Tools. That is another reason it is very easy to just go on YouTube. Type in something about Pro Tools and find 7 million videos explaining that thing in a bunch of different ways yep. in extreme detail.
0: Yep. And because Pro Tools is so rigid and how it works, there isn't five ways to do one thing. So you're going to get an answer whenever exactly. you type in that Google search. In Cubase, I was trying to learn how to do like tab to transient and cut things with a hotkey.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I couldn't get any results because that's a pretty new feature, I guess. Mm-hmm. And for years, everybody in Cubase was slip editing a completely different way that anybody else in the world was. Yeah. They just learned how to do it that way. And so that's how they still do it. But for me, being a Pro Tools transplant, it's like, how do yeah. I edit like Pro Tools? And finally, I found one dude was like, hey, I just switched from Pro Tools and this is how you do it. Yeah, you go. You know, yeah. so like that's the cool thing about Pro Tools. Like, there's one way to do it. You're gonna find an answer.
1: And once you learn it, it's super fast. You get really fast at it, really, really. Quick. You get so quick. Yeah. So, so quick. that I think that's a good way. And another reason why it's really good for entry level is there's a free version. Pro Tools First is free. So yep. and it's very functional. Very, very functional for people that are just getting into it. Um. I know I'm. I'm actually uh, working on transitioning all of our podcasts in the podcast network to work off of all of our non-audio guys to work off of Pro Tools first because they can send me a Pro Tools session. I can open it up and immediately edit it. Um, very consistent across that way, and it's super easy to use. So that's a, my that's my that's my first option. Um, you know, my second option is gonna be or my other option is gonna be Ableton. Um, the other one that I use. It's very great for producing. If you ever if you're a fan of Andrew Wong or any of the like four producers, flip the same sample kind of videos, a lot of those guys are using um Ableton because it is so focused on the sample manipulation aspect that is something that it is i would argue the best at it is the best at sample sample manipulation and turning turning a sound into something otherworldly, like turning a car door into a kick, turning a siren into a snare for some reason.
0: Yeah. I don't understand how it works. It's magical.
1: It's amazing. So because if it you, doesn't
0: work like that in any other dog.
1: So for the, from the creative side, it is a creative powerhouse. Um, you can make sounds that people are going to be completely confounded that you even were able to make that out of anything. Nonetheless, just inside a DAW, um, the problem with it, the big flaw, is it is pretty expensive. That's kind of the drawback with it. Is I had to pay, I think the suite, so the largest version for the for Ableton Live Ten, which is the most recent, um, the most recent version, is like eight hundred dollars.
0: It's seven fifty and dollars I mean, not to like correct you over 50 bucks, but no. what I was just pulling up is so standard is 450, mm-hmm. but I just saw it on sale for 300 bucks a couple weeks ago. Yeah. so they And do it goes the, on sale often, and they do I know go on Cubase sales runs sales often, but mm-hmm. let's put it this way. I bought my cross-grade license from Pro Tools to Cubase when it was on sale for like $325, mm-hmm. but I just saw this standard full license that you don't need to have another daw to get that price for and it was like the same price as what i paid for my clearance cross-grade license and
1: also so. also ableton's website does do 50 percent off deals or 40 percent off deals like every single christmas
0: yeah dude they're so good about sales yeah they're amazing um, i'm looking sales. up the Um, licenses for Cubase, so I guess I probably didn't actually save that much money because the cross grade right now is $330. So I guess I must have missed the sale. But yeah, regardless, like you know, I think the full version of Cubase is 500
1: bucks. Yeah, it's 500 even. Um,
0: you know, they're doing uh monthly like a subscription for Pro Tools now.
1: Yeah, so the Pro Tools subscription is like either $30 or $25 depending on like your contract. Um, but like I said, very it's pretty affordable. Entry level is pretty cheap. Uh, I said it at the beginning. Ableton, you can get a version of it for free with a lot of MIDI controllers. So maybe if that's if you're thinking, oh, I might want to get into Ableton, it looks interesting. You could like maybe download a free version to like test it out, see if it makes sense with you. If you're like, ah, oh, I'm vibing with this, cool. Let's. Um, Maybe go find a MIDI controller where you can get a free copy of Ableton uh, just as a part of it. Um, So, yeah. And then my third one, I would have to agree with Cubase Um, because it is, in in every single way, the perfect marriage between Pro Tools and Ableton. It is a lot of great features from Ableton, a lot of great features from Pro Tools and kind of the flexibility of reaper not in that level of extreme but it is very very flexible
0: yeah like instead of you just having one way to do something you could do the same thing like a few different ways which is super important to me because i i also don't like working one way all the time you Yeah. Know? Well, so it like, really just in, depends on in what a lot you're of doing. ways like that could be a pro and it could be a con depending on mm-hmm. what type of person you are but if i only had to pick one daw it would be cubase 100
1: yeah, percent. exactly yeah I, I would agree with that if i was if i was stuck with one daw i would pick cubase because it does ableton stuff and pro tools stuff in it but mm-hmm. i don't have to worry about that and i like keeping my separation because i like producing in one and being creative in ableton and then moving you to a like more a separate and, space and moving oh. to a more analytical mindset inside Pro Tools, But yep. awesome. Yeah. So if you have any questions, feel free to email us, hit us up on the Instas, um, Instas. or, you know, if you find us anywhere else, we're always down the chat. Um, thanks for coming to hang out today. Josh, thanks for a
0: super long episode. I know. And I hope that we didn't just bore everybody to death. And I just realized that my, no, my audio is still recording. I'm just really zoomed
1: out really far. I almost just cried. (laughs) Um. Now we've been talking for almost two hours or actually two hours. It's been two hours. So uh, thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Thanks for listening to two hours of Daw Talk. (laughs) This but, is
0: the most boring two hours of your life, but at least you just got it over with.
1: There's a lot of information in here, and if you're new to recording, to be honest, this is a lot of information that you probably needed, and it probably sparked some questions that you can go now do some research on, make exactly. notes, things like that. Go back through, make some notes about things that you want to look up. Um, and once again, if you have any questions, feel free to you know hit us up. We're always down to talk. Yeah, so.
0: And the cool thing is, is that this was super, um, kind of, you know, bland, but, uh, next week's episode is going to be a blast.
1: True. We have a, a fun episode lined up about, about production and producing and mixing and things like that. So if you're super into that, uh, come check it out next week. It'll be a freaking blast um in the meantime thanks for coming and hanging out and we'll see you next time see you around and that's it for this episode of the home studio hangout podcast thank you so much for listening go check us out on instagram at home studio hangout give us a review on your favorite podcasting platform and don't forget keep on creating see you next week